Hello and welcome back to series two of the Why I Knit podcast. My name is Dr Mia Hobbs and I'm a clinical psychologist who's passionate about knitting and its benefits for our mental well-being. Each episode I interview a different knitter about why they knit and how it benefits their mental health. This week on the podcast I'm joined by Susan Yaguda. Susan is an oncology nurse working at the Cancer Institute in Charlotte, North Carolina. Susan joins me to talk about how knitting has benefited her own well-being and also how she's used knitting in her place of work with both staff and patients. Please note that during our discussion we do talk about cancer and bereavement. So hi Susan, welcome to the podcast. Good morning, thank you. Hi, it's afternoon here but morning where you are. Good morning for me. (laughs) (laughs) What's the time where you are? Um, it's eight o'clock. Eight o'clock, so early. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me. That's okay. I'm a morning person. Oh, that's good. Me too. I always start the podcast by asking where your story with knitting began. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in a family of knitters, to be honest with you. I'm the youngest of um, six. Um, my mom, my aunts, my sisters all knit um, growing up for some reason. I did not. Um, not okay. sure. Not sure why. Um, I did some cross stitch and that type of thing, and really enjoyed that. And then um, when my children were um, in Montessori school, um, they were quite young, and another mom who was an amazing knitter, um, she said, "Hey, could we do a mother daughter knitting group?" And so I was up for that. And there were several other moms. And um, so we would get together, the kids would kind of knit for a few minutes, and then they'd go off and, you know, do their own thing. Uh, But we really, as uh, parents, really enjoyed the, you know, the sense of community, and of course, learning a new skill. And that was about uh, 20 years ago, I think, as my my daughter is now 28. So I think Mm -hmm. she was around eight years old when we did that. And I haven't stopped since. Um, It's just, you know, been such a blessing to my life um, for so many reasons um, that I'm really grateful to that mom for, um, you know, for spearheading it and and getting me started on it. Mm. So you hadn't knitted at all before that point? No, no. Oh, wow. Yeah. The funny thing is now um, my sisters um, and my mom, my mom is, uh, she's quite elderly. um, So she doesn't knit as much now, but um, we, um, my two sisters and I, we get together with my mom, um, particularly before the pandemic, we would for what we would call a, a girls weekend. And um, we all had our knitting projects and, um, you know, have tea and good food and wine and just really enjoy a, a nice weekend together. And that's such precious time when I think about it now, um, that, uh, we just enjoyed one another's company, but it was all, you know, it was always around knitting too. Sometimes we would go to the local yarn shop where my mom lives and, you know, just enjoy that as well. Um, so now we all share patterns. Um, we, you know, 
ask each other about different techniques we might have questions about. And um, so it's really become, you know, something that I'm very, I'm very close to my sisters, but it's been really a nice thing um, to, to bond us as well. Mm. Yeah. So it really feels like part of your connection with your family. Yeah. Now. Yeah. yeah. And do your kids still knit? Um, you know, I have, I have a son and a daughter mm -hmm. and, um, thinking back like 20 years ago, um, I did teach my son how to knit and he's, he's actually very good. Mm. He didn't, he, he didn't keep it up though. And my daughter, she'll pick it up from time to time. She actually lives in the UK now. Okay. And so, you know, being away from, um, home, um, has been difficult during these past couple of sure. years. And so I really have encouraged her because it's been so helpful to me um, to have something in my hands. And, and so she'll pick it up here, you know, now and then and, and does still enjoy it. So, I mean, who knows, um, you know, who knows what she might do in 20 years. So, yeah. We'll <laughs> and I think lots of people that I've interviewed and certainly for me have had like long dormant periods where they didn't knit. And then suddenly yeah. it was the right moment in their life and they pick it up and kind of go with it again mm -hmm. um I'd love to hear you said there are many ways it's been helpful for you I'd love to hear more about that about how yeah. why, why you knit and how it's been helpful for you so I mean the practicality of it I really um enjoy giving um homemade gifts handmade mm -hmm. gifts to people um so that's definitely part of it I'm a little choosier now who I gift with my knitting um, because I think I hear other knitters say too, some people don't quite get it, but um, you know, definitely I have an appreciative pool of family and friends and enjoy um, doing that for them. But really it's a mindfulness practice for me. Um, it's definitely a way sometimes for me in the morning if, when I'm having my coffee I'll just knit even if it's just for five minutes it just sets my day straight mm -hmm. um you know with a calmer uh attitude I think about going into the day and then definitely towards the end of the day too you know I might have a cup of tea and just um pick up my knitting again even if I only have a few minutes to do it I still appreciate those moments just to um, de-stress, to kind of let go of the of anything that was going on during the day so that I can, you know, get a restful night's sleep. And it really is a, a, a very big mindfulness practice for me. Hmm. Um, I think it's also, I don't, other than my sisters, probably, I don't knit a whole lot with other, you know, others, but there is a sense of community, I think, around um, the knitting world. Um, and whether that's, you know, through social media or going to a local yarn shop, you know, you can, you can always talk to a knitter about, you know, what they're doing, what they're interested in. And it inevitably leads to other conversations too, that keep that kind of sense of connectivity, mm. um, amongst us. And I think, you know, particularly during this, pandemic time where we often feel disconnected it's really an important um piece uh you know important tool to to being connected with one another um in my in my work role it's really been important to connect with patients even 
mm. and to allow them to connect with one another. So I would say between, you know, being able to produce something that is homemade and, you know, I can gift from my heart to the mindfulness practice and then the connectivity piece of it too. Um, it's just been a really rich hobby to have mm. in my life. And I'd love to go on to ask you in a minute more about your work and mm -hmm. how you've used knitting there. But first of all, I'm curious for yourself, like, have you got specific things you prefer to knit? Does it mm -hmm. matter what the knitting is, like in terms of the techniques? Yeah. So I usually have two things typically going at once. And one is kind of a no brainer. I can sit in a meeting and, and it helps me pay attention. Mm. Um, you know, but not have to count or follow a pattern or that type of thing. And then um, I, I like to knit just about anything. Um, you know, I've gotten into socks and, you know, go in spurts with that mittens. I had like a run on mittens and <laughs> um, uh, I'm working on a sweater right now um, for a friend's birthday um, shawls, I really, really love to make shawls, especially if the designer has some really clear instructions and um, hats off to designers. I think that it's just magic what they do, you know, to be able to create a pattern, put it on paper so that I can just, you know, blindly follow the directions and, and then voila, here comes some beautiful piece, you know, just because <laughs> they've had that skill set to do that. So I, I do love to make shawls. I haven't done um, certain techniques like brioche. I haven't tried. I yet. haven't either, actually. <laughs> I, I wondered whether maybe time. this was the year for me. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> yeah, so maybe try that. Um, I've done like some lace work. And again, I've enjoyed that. It's, you know, as long as I am able to pay attention to it as well. So having something that's mindless and then having something where I do have to pay attention to a little bit. I love cables. To me, they're magic as well. Just how, you know, slipping one direction or another just makes this beautiful pattern. And, um, and it's, it's fun to, to, you know, to work on those too. Hmm. And do you think, so have you got times when you feel like you need the more complicated pattern? Oh, yeah. So it sounds like there are times where you need the simple one, which is if you've got to pay attention to something else. Mm -hmm. I'm interested in the times you might need the more complicated one. Yeah, when you have to pay attention to something, you know, follow directions, make sure you're counting properly. It, um, you know, kind of takes your mind away from other things that might have been, you know, creating stress in your life or, um, you know, things you kind of need to let go of. Um, it's a it's a nice distraction, if you mm -hmm. will. And then, you know, after working on something for a bit, the stuff that was bothering you previously just doesn't seem to be a big deal anymore, you know, mm -hmm. and you can kind of let it go until, you know, maybe the next day and you'll address it with fresh eyes and, you know, be able to, you know, maybe be more productive in how to manage something that was going on. So definitely, you know, there's also definitely times where I'm like, I can't concentrate on this right now. I'm just mm -hmm. going to enjoy the soothing aspect of the rhythm of knitting and, um, you know, just feeling it in my hands and, um, you know, go forward with that too. Yeah. And you're a nurse. Um, mm -hmm. 
working in oncology and I'm really interested to hear about how you brought knitting into your place of work and mm -hmm. yeah so I'd love to hear more about that yeah thank you um so I manage a team um, of integrative um, providers we have um a, a wide array of services so we don't treat cancer itself, but we help support people through their cancer journey at any aspect along the way. And part of my team is uh, we have a, a group of artists. And so one of my artists had, she had started with us as a volunteer, and then we were able to contract and bring her on. And she's just amazing. My whole team's amazing, but um, she was really just open to anything. And I, I said, hey, you know, I, I really want to start a knitting and crochet circle for our patients and care partners. And um, she was like, sure, okay, but I need to learn how. And so <laughs> she went off and, um, you know, took some lessons at a local yarn shop. And of course, she's, you know, this was several years ago. So and she's like a, a great knitter now as well. Um, and so she started this group. Now it's on Zoom um, because we're not meeting in person uh, yet, hopefully at some point in the future. But I'm really happy that we were able to still provide things virtually mm. even to stay, help, help people stay connected. And so the purpose of the group was not to like do great knitting. You know, sure. that's just like the purpose of the art program is not to create great art, but it's really to use it as a processing opportunity to have um, patients and care partners support one another. There's something about when people have something that they're working on in their hands. Um, and you know, for this group, obviously it was knitting. The conversation becomes much better flowing. I think, you know, people feel a little bit more comfortable sharing. They, um, find that they have shared experiences and can, you know, maybe be, you know, have their own experience authenticated because they're hearing it from somebody else. Um, it's, it's just a very healing process to have that type of support. And so uh, Deborah, our artist that was facilitating this and continues to, really her role is just to maintain inclusivity with the group to, you know, make sure that the environment remains positive, that people feel comfortable talking and sharing. And it's been just a really positive experience all around. We also had some fun things come out of that um, as for community. So um, in our community, there's several organizations. We're very philanthropically dependent. And um, they help support us. And one is um, an organization called 24 Foundation that does a 24-hour bike ride every summer uh, in, in Charlotte, where I live. And um, it's a fundraiser. And a lot of those funds go to support the programs that I manage. And so we got a bicycle, an older bicycle, and um, the people in the knitting and crochet circle yarn bombed it. It's like, it's so cool looking. Um, they did like an amazing job. They had yarn bombed um, two chairs the year pre previously. Um, and we, we uh, displayed them at a gala that we had too. But this bike was something that we could give back to the organization that supports us. 
And, you know, just as a way to say thank you, mm-hmm. you know, for, for all. So we have, you know, we bring it out when we have events with them and they in turn have gifted it back to us. And it's actually hanging in our rehab gym, our cancer rehab gym. But it's always like just a, a really nice reminder that we are all community and, mm-hmm. you know, supporting one another through that. So that's, that's been just fun. The chairs that they did with, it was really whimsical, um, like little mice and spider webs and just, mm-hmm. they did a beautiful job with that. And those are on display in our cancer institution now. So anybody can walk by and just enjoy taking a look at them. And then um, from, you know, a medical perspective, I mean, this is, purely anecdotal, but we had um, several patients who got chemotherapies that cause, you know, neurotoxicity, and they can get um, neuropathy in their hands and their feet, like a tingling and numbness, that's really can be um, distressing and impactful on things, even like buttoning a shirt or walking safely, that type of thing. And one uh, woman who was really involved in this group, um, also um, said that the knitting helped her neuropathy. Like, and mm. she said, if I could figure out a way to knit with my toes, yeah, <laughs> I, could, I could address it in my feet as well. But she swore that it was just keeping herself moving like that. And that maybe the tactile part of knitting that helped her. So that would be something that I would like love to study at some point. Mm. Like, can we really be impactful on that with something so simple and low cost and, you know, extremely low risk, um, you know, and make an impact on something that's really can be distressing to somebody who's gone through cancer treatment. Mm. And what's the kind of feedback you've had from people who've engaged in the knitting? So some of the people receiving treatment for cancer. Yeah. So Um, it's really heartwarming to go like into the infusion suite and see, you know, people there knitting, um, as a way to pass the time. Oftentimes they're there for several hours. Is that Um, when they're receiving their chemotherapy? Yeah. 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 And then, um, you know, they really appreciate the community. Um, they come together when, you know, inevitably, you know, we, um, have to say goodbye to certain people at, at, at different times. And they really come together as a community to support one another through that grieving process. Um, I think it also shines the light on, well, for all of us, but especially if you also are dealing with cancer, your own mortality and, you know, really coming to terms with that um, because you've lost somebody that you've been close to. So I really appreciate that they form kind of a a support group amongst themselves. Um, So that has been definitely one of the outcomes that I was hoping for. The other things is they really have appreciated, particularly during the pandemic, having knitting as a hobby to, you know, to continue with um, during their time when they've had to be more isolated as well. The other thing that is so cool about this group is they also, this wasn't intentional, they just kind of came up with this organically. Um, They also contribute to like, they'll knit 
caps for patients who have lost their hair because of chemotherapy, um, scarves, um, you know, fingerless mitts, that type of thing. And Mm -hmm. then they go to our resource center and then, you know, anybody can, you know, who's in need can take something like that, you know, to know that it came from somebody else who, you know, has walked your, your path as well, Mm -hmm. I think is really meaningful. Um, there's a project here actually that I've seen on the news called Knitted Knockers. I don't know if you've oh, heard yeah, of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we did that. Um, of, uh, I mean, people continue to make knockers. It's, it's like really take it off, hasn't it? Yeah. It's so fun. And, and, you know, women who require a prosthesis really like the, the knitted knockers. They're soft, they're light, they're washable. Um, you can form them to, you know, fit um, yourselves perfectly. They're free. They're not, you know, prostheses can be very expensive. Yeah. Um, but we did a, uh, with some local yarn shops, um, in our community, we did, um, a, a knitted knocker kind of campaign. And then, um, the fire department has a pink fire truck. And so they stopped at the yarn shops and we filled the fire truck up with knitted knockers oh, like wow. bags on them. <laughs> and then they delivered them to the cancer institute which was like then we had to sort them and you know get them where they needed to be in that way but that was um, such again another fun really uh, a community project it sounds like um some of the people in the group have been very inventive about finding ways to have a more kind of group knitting experience because I guess a lot of us even if we're knitting in a group often the project is just ours I suppose or we might be knitting something that's just ours it's not that often you knit something that is part of a kind of cooperative (laughs) project yeah 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 Yeah. we really saw it um, particularly when they were able to meet in person and work on the yarn bombing you know pieces because they had to kind of plan it out together and, and again, nobody was telling anybody, you know, here, you have to do this. This all came very organically, mm. but, um, you know, they, they, it was fun to, to kind of be a fly in the wall and, and, you know, just peek in and watch them and mm-hmm. hear their conversations and just, you know, really fills my heart um, mm. because that was exactly what I wanted. You know, when I said, can we start this? Yeah. And have you had the opportunity to go and join in with knitting with them at all? Or is that Yeah, difficult? so I haven't since they have gone to Zoom. Sure. Um, uh, and it's, it's also during my work day. So I, I you know, try to be just, um, you know, sometimes I don't have the time to do that mm. during the work day. But when they did meet in person, I would often just stop by because, I mean, they're lovely people anyway, so I would always love to catch up with them um, regardless, but um, just to, again, like I said, just kind of hear their conversation and see what they were working on, um, to see them helping each other, because there were some that were very, very um, skilled knitters helping others that are maybe new at something, um, new to knitting or new at a technique, and and uh, really to have that, again, that um, fellowship within the group was really, is really precious to, to watch. Yeah. And that's a brilliant, it's brilliant for both parties, isn't it? It's brilliant to be somebody who can share a skill that gives you a sense of self-esteem, I guess. Doesn't yeah. it? And also to be able to be somewhere where you think, oh, well, these experienced people can help me with this thing, thing I'd like to get better at. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely goes both directions. Yeah. 
And you mentioned that you've been involved in some in a research project project to do with knitting. Yeah. I'd love to yeah. hear a bit more about that. Sure. So um, one thing that patients receiving chemotherapy sometimes experience is something called chemo brain. And if you're not familiar with that, um, it is just a difficulty after, you know, finishing chemo or even during with tasks that normally would have come easily to you. So it could be, you know, things like sequencing or memory um, issues or word finding even sometimes. And it's very distressing uh, to patients um, to experience this. And it's especially distressing when they finally finish treatment. And then they're like, okay, I'm going back to work. You know, it's like some sense of hopefully some normalcy in their lives again, but then they're having really some difficulties um, Mm -hmm. functioning to their, you know, pre-cancer diagnosis levels. And so um, uh, one of my colleagues is a neuropsychologist and she, she started knitting because we, um, this is another story, but we started uh, with my teammates. We, we had a couple of knit nights and, and taught them how to knit and several of my teammates continued to, to knit as well, which has been really fun. And, Jen, this neuropsychologist, is one of those that has continued to knit. And so finally, I I was like, I know how knitting makes me feel as far as calming my mind and all of that. And we got talking about the bilateral aspects of knitting. And we also were thinking about uh, chemo brain and it's not fully understood why it occurs. It could be like related to inflammation or, or who knows. But we were looking through the literature and did not see anything that looked at increasing neuroplasticity around cancer-related cognitive impairment. And so we wanted to see, could teaching somebody to knit make an impact on their cognitive impairment? So we did a pilot study and we, um, we had the support from Universal Yarn, which is a, a big yarn company, particularly here in the US. I think it is in Europe too. Um, they have a headquarters very close to Charlotte and they provided us with yarn and with needles and really put together these nice kits for the study. And um, we enrolled patients who had finished their chemotherapy and were self-describing some cognitive impairment. Mm-hmm. And um, they they could not have been knitters before, so it had to be completely a new skill. Yeah. And then they came in, and we gave them a battery of neuropsych tests, which were all validated for the age group within the inclusion criteria. And then um, we had a volunteer working with us, and she taught them to knit. And so she would have groups of maybe one to three women. They were all women. It wasn't designed to be all women, but that's the way it fell, which I think is another thing I'd like to change at some mm. point along the road. So but, that was who um, opted in. Yeah. They learned to knit. They got a project. It was like a scarf. And then they um, had other another lesson. We gave them videos. We checked in with them every week. And then Eight weeks later, they came back and they had to have at least eight inches of their, okay. you know, so we knew that they were, yeah, yeah. and um, so we had to measure it and then they were retested. And so um, what we found was really fascinating, uh, in my opinion, 
most, most of the, all of them tested within the normal range at the start. Mm-hmm. However, it may have been low for them. They were all yeah. college okay. educated. They were all professionals. It just, you know, that's the group that we got for this pilot. Mm-hmm. Um, however, the distress levels were quite high uh, across the group. Post intervention, they all improved cognitively in mm-hmm. certain domains, at least. Um, so I would, I think, um, it, almost seventy percent of the group improved cognitively in at least one of the domains that we tested. Across the board, they all significantly reported less distress. That was just really validating that there's something going on, whether it is neuroplasticity or whether it's decreasing stress, so you're able to manage some of those challenges better. I mean, who knows? We're really eager to dig a little bit deeper into Mm. the whole what's happening behind the veil kind of thing. Yeah. But um, to this day, I have, we had to close accrual early because of the pandemic. We ended up with 16 people, I think, going through and we wanted to get 18, I think. So just a little bit short of our original goal, but enough to have some significant um, data. And to this day, I hear from people in the study and they're like still knitting, you know, so <laughs> it's like, that's another win of the, of the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I look at this as, you know, such a low hanging fruit for an intervention for a, a condition that is incredibly distressing for our patients and how simple it could be, how inexpensive it could be. Mm. Um, how low risk it could be to really provide this for people, mm. um, you know, who yeah. are interested. Mm-hmm. Cause like you said, from a research perspective, it would be great. You know, it was such a shame you had to finish yeah. early because of COVID and, you know, it would be great to do a trial with a control group and yeah. all of, lots of measures, but even without that, it sounds like it was has offered a great benefit, even just anecdotally or in terms yeah. of stress reduction or giving yeah. these people a coping mechanism to take with them for the rest of their lives. Yeah, but definitely. That sounds like it actually and, and also, has been a super helpful intervention already. Yeah. And the and the neuropsych tests were all validated tests. Um, yeah. you know, so we really felt confident about those. They weren't, they weren't tests that you could. Um, do well with repetition. You know, we made sure we didn't um, have that practice uh, benefit with what the test that she chose. So, you know, we do know that there was benefit. um, But uh, yeah, to have a control group would have been nice Mm -hmm. since they were each their own control. But, um, you know, there's so many, so many areas that we could dig in Mm -hmm. um, and explore further that it it makes it exciting, for sure. Mm -hmm. And I think you mentioned while well, we were uh, messaging about setting up this conversation about the, that you'd quite like to have a group for professionals as well. So yeah. for healthcare staff, because that's something yeah. I haven't done it formally for that purpose. But in the past, I've informally ended up having groups of colleagues in mm-hmm. health settings to mainly create uh, gifts for somebody who is having a baby but have really noticed the positive effect it's had on team morale and that we've had different conversations, that people have been kind of taking a lunch break for half an hour once a week to sit in it together and that it really did feel beneficial, I suppose, on a team yeah. level. 
Yeah. I'm interested in what your hopes were for that. Yeah, definitely. So we did do um, for just like my department at the time, we were in a different location while our current building was being built and it was, it was tight quarters, <laughs> you know, which has its own challenges. But um, we had a couple of knit nights and it was just a time again for whomever wanted to, to come together, learn to knit. Um, and then, you know, similar to what you're talking about, we did find people sitting at lunchtime knitting. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we also found we were able to help each other out, like with questions, you know, about a skill or, oh, I dropped the stitch. What happened here? That type of thing. And it did allow us as, um, a group of colleagues to kind of interact on a a bit of a different level. Mm. And then, you know, several of my colleagues really use knitting now as a self-care practice. Just, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's a relaxing thing that they go to, um, you know, daily almost to, in order to just take better care of themselves. So that's been really positive. I think, you know, it's no surprise to anybody how strained the healthcare profession is right now, mm. you know, globally. And interestingly, before the pandemic, I had been working with some other people on my team on moral injury and resilience and, you know, what can we do to help support one another to, you know, to build up resilience and, and, and um, address moral injury in a positive way. And then to, you know, to think that we were doing that work before COVID and now, you know, what people are having to deal with still two years later, like it's just, um, it's unfathomable. And I, I really, um, I really feel like we need to now kind of shift gears and look at trauma care. Um, Mm. How are we helping our colleagues through trauma because that's what this is that's what this has been um you know for so many people and I don't want to simplify things to the point of saying oh just give everybody you know knitting needles and some yarn and and it's all fine but I do think that knitting serves a role in the toolbox as a self-care practice as a way of soothing we know that the rhythm of the movement of using both both hands has neurological impact. Um, and so, you know, I do think that it could be a useful tool for um, colleagues to be able to use for self-care. Mm-hmm. There was a study that some nurses in Washington did that I think uh, Project Knitwell helped support and again, this was several years ago with oncology nurses and they taught them to knit and, you know, the outcomes and the, and the, um, the uh, feedback from those who participated was really positive, how it was really soothing. And when I was reading, like rereading the manuscript, um, soothing kind of kept coming up mm. and, I, and I, and I kind of feel like, yeah, it is soothing. And that's mm. kind of maybe part of the benefit of us bringing it to somebody we're not going to fix the issues in our healthcare system by knit, you know by by knitting but if we can 
help somebody feel better for a little bit of time and then be able to be a bit more refreshed to go handle what they need to handle, then, you know, maybe that's our role um, at this point. So looking at creating, honestly, like a toolkit for our, you know, my colleagues, our, you know, our teammates across the, our system that has a variety of ways to, you know, take care of yourself and to address the trauma of what you have experienced uh, during all this time. So I, I think it, I think it will definitely have a role there. Mm. Yeah, I think that's really true. I've had quite a few health professionals get in touch with me since starting the podcast and talking about the idea of having a group with their colleagues. And I think the tricky thing is, you know, like you said, it doesn't have to be just knitting and knitting isn't going to be for everybody. But the idea of maybe the system or, the, you know, prioritizing self-care for the right. for the healthcare staff because you like you know you can't pour from an empty cup right <laughs> and in right. the pandemic it started off as a sprint and it's now a marathon but uh, people are just getting slowly more exhausted I guess um and like you said traumatized um but it is interesting the idea of you know one of the trauma therapies EMDR is focused on using kind of bilateral mm-hmm. um movements a bit similar to uh, knitting and when I spoke to Betson Courtkill I interviewed her for series one about um about that and she said there have been ideas about doing some studies using knitting as the kind of bilateral movement in the EMDR yeah. for yeah. trauma processing so it'd be really interesting I think the tricky thing is funding for all of these studies most definitely yeah. you know it's and not... also for the self-care for the health professionals yeah, that's yeah. also <laughs> the problem isn't it is getting that yeah. as a priority and funding it. Yeah, most yeah. definitely. However, if you look at the cost of, you know, replacing a critical care nurse, for example, it's quite costly, you know, especially somebody who has like a lot of experience or, um, you know, th- and, and then who are we replacing them with, you know? So um, I think that's one thing. And, you know, I'm talking about healthcare professionals, but it's really across the board, like my heart breaks for our teachers, for, you know, for parents with young children and how they're managing um, all of this, you know, and trying to work um, and and keep their children, you know, happy and healthy. Um, It's across the board, um, service, service providers of any sort. Our resources are not an unending bucket, Mm. you know, it, there, there is a bottom to that. So if we don't start to really take care of what we've got, it's going to be quite impactful. It's interesting because I was going into a, a primary school to offer a therapeutic knitting group and a number of the staff said, when are you doing one for staff? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I also love the idea of the parent and child uh, knitting group that you started off talking about. I think that's yeah. a lovely <laughs> idea um, to be able to have a a kind of activity to share Mm -hmm. um, between parents and children. Yeah. Um, I'd love to ask you about a significant knitting project, Susan. Yeah. Can you think of one for yourself? Yeah, certainly. And, you know, it's so interesting um, to hear other people's stories about knitting through grief. Um, Mm. And I think that Um, For me, I have a pair of socks and it was just when I was just getting to knit socks. So I still was not very confident about what I was doing. I had to pay attention quite some bit, but my dad 
had gotten, um, you know, ill and, you know, finally we got him into hospice care, which was such a blessing. And I'll never forget sitting with my mom and it was New Year's Eve that year. And, you know, it was just quiet uh, in his room. And I really just wanted to be there, you know, for her um, as well. And so I had my socks I was working on during that time. And I also wanted to give her the space too to be with, you know, this man that she'd been with for 70 years, um, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, during his, you know, final days. And so I could work on my socks and kind of be there for my mom, but also, you know, be in the background for her to have some quiet time with him. And, you know, and he ended up dying like two days later, um, very peacefully. And those socks were, are just so special to me mm. because it just reminds me of how blessed, um, you know, I, I am to have had him for all these years as a father, but also how blessed I am to have been in that space with him and my mom, um, mm. you know, just, uh, you know, so fortunate to be able to be there um, and, and be there with both of them and for myself, you know, yeah. as well. So those are my special socks. I don't wear them a whole lot, but I, mm. I pull them out once in a while. I guess you want to take really good care of them. I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting, Susan, that you mentioned that actually, because I think, like you said, grief has come up quite a lot when I ask people about a significant yeah. knitting project. And actually, you're not the first person to mention the idea of knitting allowing you to offer kind of companionship, but without conversation. Yeah, that's something that maybe in the grief period or also other people have spoken about, you know, being with somebody who's unwell in the hospital and that the idea is you don't necessarily have to say anything. And I think when, you know, in a bereavement period, often there isn't anything you can say that can't make it any better, but that you want to kind of be alongside somebody and that knitting has kind of offered a an almost unique way of being able to do that where it feels okay that there isn't a conversation happening at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. You're just holding space. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Yeah. So those are your special socks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you've got a very kind of positive relationship to them now, even though it was from quite a sad time in a way also. Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. And um, you know, he lived like such an amazing life. So it wasn't like there was regret by any means. And I think that makes a huge difference in Mm. how you process, you know, loss. I mean, I miss him. I, you know, I still hear his voice, like telling me different things and stuff. But um, again, it's really comes from a place of gratitude, um, for sure. Yeah, sure. So I always end the podcast with asking what's the greatest gift knitting has given you for the rest of your life. I don't know mm. what you think of when I ask that question. Yeah. Well, it's hard to it's hard to choose just one. Sure. <laughs> you know, um, you know, definitely it's that anchor to um a mindfulness practice, which has been really important to me, um, particularly through the pandemic as well. And again, I love the connection, you know, with my sisters and my mom, um, mm-hmm. that we have that in common. Um, and then the ability, 
you know, just to make something and share a bit of myself with somebody else, Mm -hmm. um, you know, so that they know a piece of me was with them, whether it's a shawl or a sweater or a pair of mittens or do you mean when you say that, do you, are you talking about gifts? Like, yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And And it sounds also like in the conversations you have sometimes with your patients about knitting. Yeah. I guess that's a way of sharing yourself too, isn't it? Yeah. Talk about what you're knitting or what they're knitting. It is. It's a great way to form a connection. And then people tend to feel safer, it seems, to talk about other things. Mm. Um, you know, once once you've kind of formed that bond, if you will. Mm. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Susan, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me and thank you for the work that you're doing. You're shining like this um, great light on the importance of using knitting and crafting for our well-being. And I, I really appreciate that you're doing that. Oh, thank you so much. so much for listening to the why i knit podcast if you'd like to find out more about therapeutic knitting you can follow me on instagram at knitting is therapeutic or at my website therapeuticknitting.org if you're enjoying the podcast i would really appreciate it if you could leave a rating and a review on your podcast app this will help grow the podcast and let more people know about the therapeutic benefits of knitting and don't forget to subscribe too thank you